Hello, I'm Brandon Martini, a commercial pilot and flight instructor. And I'm Carson Vasquez. I'm a private pilot. And you're listening to the Aviation Mentors Podcast, sponsored by Stratus Financial. So buckle up, because the Aviation Mentors are taking off. Today, we're talking about something that's becoming more and more prevalent in flight training today. And what is that, you may ask? It is a flight simulator. Simulators come in many shapes and sizes, everything from kind of desktop Microsoft flight sim to full motion simulators used to train airline pilots. I've flown uh, quite a few different simulators uh, in my lifetime so far. Actually, I have my logbook right here. I only have 16.3 hours actually logged in a flight simulator, and uh, 10 of that was during my ATP CTP course. So before that, I only had 6.3 hours logged in a flight simulator, actually. Uh, But I have flown a whole bunch of them. Uh, logged and unlogged, obviously. So we're going to talk about all sorts of things today. I'm really excited about this episode. You know, I have pretty easy access to um, a flight simulator. It's a Redbird SD, pretty good simulator, but I don't think I've logged any time in one. I think I've only uh, used it to mess around and fly in. Yeah, and always it's always good to go to the San Diego, not really an airport, but the uh, you get to land on the aircraft carrier. I mean, it's the only place you can land a 172 on the aircraft carrier, and that is in Microsoft, or sorry, Redbird Flight Simulator. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, the first time that Brandon and I messed around a simulator, we did a landing competition on that uh, on the aircraft carrier. So that was pretty fun. And believe it or not, Carson beat me on that one. I was really surprised. I was like, there's no way he's going to beat me. He actually beat me. And the first time I had my son Austin fly in, and he was like nine years old or something, he landed on the aircraft carrier his first time. I was actually pretty impressed. And if you guys haven't seen this before, um, I highly recommend probably looking up on Google or something. Or if you're out of flight school, they have a they have a sim you can use. Go land on the flight simulator or go land on the aircraft carrier. It's really, really neat. Yeah, you know, flight simulators, you can mess around quite a bit. Um, I actually think I was actually able to put that thing up on the moon. I set the, uh, the altitude like thousands and thousands of feet. That was crazy. Uh, but simulators, you know, aside from messed around with, they're actually super useful for flight training. And I've seen them used kind of for two primary reasons. Three, if you count messing around with them. So the first one is explaining new concepts to pilots. So that can be anything from explaining the controls to a brand new student pilot um, or explain a maneuver to one who's a little more advanced in their training or even using it for commercial uh, going over you know, everything from a Shondell to Power Off 180, all can be done in a simulator. And I've also seen them used a lot for instrument training and for the currency requirements for keeping your instrument rating. Simulators are also typically much cheaper than renting an airplane. So they're certainly a cost-effective method for flight training. So Brandon, do you think that simulators are pretty valuable in the training environment? What is your opinion on them? So I'm going to start off with about three or four years ago, I thought that I'm going to start off with kind of the the one that you can use at home, like Microsoft Flight Sim or uh, X-Plane or something like that. One that you can just put on your desktop computer or play on your Xbox or whatever it may be. And I used to think that people that use those wasted their time and it didn't really do anything for flight training. And I just did not think that they were valuable whatsoever. But over the years, I've decided that they are invaluable. They are so valuable, it's ridiculous. Um, Every kid who's come in here, and I call them a kid because 14, 15, 16, even 18 years old, they come in here and they're like, oh, I've been using Microsoft Flight Sim since I was I was very young, like five or eight years old or something. Every single one of those kids knows exactly where to look in an airplane on a six-pack, and they actually know how to fly the airplane. I once did a demo flight with a kid. He was 17 or 18 years old, and he was able to take off. He was able to fly the proper airspeed. He was able to do maneuvers, uh, all pretty much the standards 
almost on his like on his first flight, I said, "You're like a child prodigy. I want to train you. Like I don't even care. Like I might give you a scholarship because I want to train you so bad because I think that you might be the kid who gets their their certificate at forty on the dot. Like exactly, and that's with logging every single hour." And he, unfortunately, he said, oh, I'm going to college. And uh, he was going to a university program and he was going to get his pilot certificate there. So I didn't get to train him, but I did get to go on that demo flight with him, which was kind of the highlight. And it really opened my eyes. And then every time I ever did a demo flight or a flight with a young person, I asked if they've ever flown in a Microsoft flight simulator or something, because it really changes, uh, changes the perspective. They know where to look. They know to do lots of things. So if you're young and you're thinking about getting into aviation, go get a flight simulator. Um, at home and ask for it for Christmas, your birthday or something. Now, back to Carson's kind of real meat and potatoes part of this question, and that is, do I think they're valuable for a training environment? With all that being said, any simulator is valuable in the training environment. If you do the simulator at home without instruction, you are going to learn a few bad habits that are harder to break, but I think the positives way outweigh the negatives uh, in that. Now, using them in a training environment, Yes, they're very valuable. There's multiple reasons why airlines actually use simulators. Um, I don't know. Some of you might not know, but the first time you fly a Boeing 737 with passengers in the back is the first time you're flying an actual Boeing 737. It's the first time. You've got like a check airman and you've got your captain or your captain might be the check airman. You basically will have another pilot in there watching you, kind of like a DP. But regardless, they use them because they're one, cost effective. It's a lot cheaper to train somebody in a simulator than burning a ton of gas. And they also use them because you get a lot of valuable experience from a simulator. And you can you can train for situations that are abnormal. Landing on an aircraft carrier, for one, that's very abnormal. Uh, but you can also train, well, what would happen if you lost both of your engines at, this out, at, at 150 feet right after you take off? Well, it's a lot safer to do that in a simulator. And you can land in a field on a simulator rather than actually doing it in real life. So there's lots of things you can practice, especially emergencies um, on a simulator. So I think they're really, really valuable for a training environment. And if you fly on an older airplane or an airplane that doesn't have a GPS on it, you can practice using a GPS on a simulator. Um, There's so many different things you can use uh, a simulator for. It's insane. So I used to think that simulators were a waste of time. You might as well just do ground and then get up in the airplane and feel the airplane. And then I realized I was totally wrong many years ago. And I think, I don't know if any of you have ever seen that infographic that says the 100-hour expert pilot. And basically, you start off knowing nothing. Once you get to 100 hours, you feel like you're an expert. And then once you get to like 2,000 hours, you feel like you know absolutely nothing again. And it's because you've learned so many valuable lessons along the way. And I actually think that's kind of true on maybe a flight instructor's perspective, too. Like you think you know so much about flight training in your first 50 or 100 hours. And then when you get closer to 500 or 1,000, you're starting to feel like, oh, wow, maybe I didn't know as much as I once did. I'm still learning. Um, and I think that's kind of my what happened to me on uh, the use of flight simulators. And uh, for those of you who don't use them currently, I highly suggest you use them. Um, integrate them into your flight training. Yes, I know you're not going to get your valuable flight time to go to an airline as quick. Uh, but you're really doing your student uh, a great service by by showing them how to save some money. And you know what? It might be part of your syllabus to use as well. Um, I know the syllabus I've used. I've used Climb for a long time. And, uh, and it's always valuable to use that. It saves money and it saves time. And when it's really cloudy or rainy or, or icy outside, 
you can always use that simulator and you can still get that time. And if you're a flight instructor, you can even make some money that way too. So there's always some benefits there. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Using simulators, it's crazy the amount of things that you can go and just hop in a simulator and do. You can turn the weather cloudy. You can add more weight. You can add more drag. You can add crazy winds and practice crosswind landings um, from the comfort of your own home even. Uh, It's pretty crazy to be able to just hop in and go and do this. But it's super useful because when you actually have to face these things, it's, it's hard for your body to do what your mind hasn't. So you're already thinking about it with the simulator and then you go and actually do it in real life and your body's already been there. You've already done it in the simulator. It's closer to second nature than it ever can be. So it's really phenomenal. Speaking of CFIs not reaching their time as quickly, what are the parameters for logging time in a simulator? So if you're a private pilot, you need to log time with a flight instructor. And um, if you're part 61 or 141, they're, they're a little bit different. But in general, if you're part 61, you can log up to three hours in a simulator, but it's got to be with an instructor um, and it's got to be in a certain type of simulator, um, BAT, BATD, ATD, um, or something more advanced than that uh, for you to be able to log it legally. Um, you can't log the stuff at home unless you have like just a fun log book where you're like, hey, I did this flight on my simulator and and some people enjoy that and that's what they do. Um, that wasn't for me, so I've I've never done that. Uh, but I but I as you can tell by my whole 16.3 hours logged in my flight simulator. Um, but I I don't actually count all the time that I've I've given dual instruction in a simulator. That's probably another 150 200 hours or something, and we normally do those shorter. Um, but so the parameter for private, uh, you have to do it with a flight instructor. Uh, same thing with instrument rating. But when you want to stay current for your instrument rating, uh, in 2018, I believe it is, they issued a new a new ruling. Um, actually, they they said it was going to come out in 2016, and and it finally came out in 2018. Was the final ruling from the FAA? Um, but you can actually do six instrument approaches, holding procedures and tasks, and intercepting and tracking courses through use of navigation electronic systems which, by the way, those are the requirements to take care of every six months uh, to maintain currency, which we've all talked about currency and uh, proficiency. By no means, this does not mean you're proficient, but it means you're current and technically legal to go fly an IFR and instrument approach. Um, so you, ha- you can actually go do those three things in a simulator now, as long as you do them within six months. And the best part about that new ruling when it came out uh, was it actually changed, it changed the rules uh, so you didn't actually have to do those with a, a CFII. You could actually do them by yourself. So you can go in the simulator and you can just go do those maneuvers and those approaches all by yourself and log it in your logbook. And it counted as time and it uh, not very much time. It only counted as total time. Uh, but, uh, but it did count as your currency. Uh, so that saves people a whole lot of money. For you to go do six approaches, that's probably going to take anywhere from two to three hours, depending on your your airport environment you're in. Um, I know that I can do three or four in maybe an hour and a half, usually in Southern California. So really depending on how much traffic there is and if you're flying an actual or not, things like that, you can save a ton of money. You can save, save a, a ton of time. I mean, both of those things are, are really valuable. So um, that's those are some things you can do in, in a flight simulator. And also if you're, if you're getting your um, a different rating or something, you can definitely practice some of those maneuvers. I know that I've practiced a lot of um, maneuvers and I can log some of that time. Um, in a 141 environment, they actually allow you to, to log a certain amount of time with a flight instructor. 
So you just need to kind of look at the regulations and which exact rating you're working on uh, to see how much time you can actually log in a simulator and whether or not you have to have a flight instructor or not. But by far, the most cool thing is you can do those, uh, they call them six hits. Uh, you can do those six hits all by yourself in a simulator, which is phenomenal. And does it matter what kind of simulator you're using? Obviously, you, like you said, you can't use it at your, your just at-home simulator on Microsoft Sim. Um, but you also mentioned AATDs or Advanced Aviation Training Devices. Uh, there's also BATDs or Basic Aviation Training Devices. And there's also, of course, the one that we're probably not going to see is uh, the FFS, the Full Flight Simulator, which is those full motion ones, the super cool ones that the airline pilots get to use and brands gotten to fly. So what are the differences between these ones? Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, uh, there's several different ones. There's Home Sims, AATDs, BATDs. Um, FFS and FTDs. <laughs> um, like all the acronyms we always have in aviation, I think we should probably do another acronym episode at some point because we did one of those, I think, five or six months ago now. Um, and we barely even scratched the surface on acronyms. And it actually happened to be a pretty, uh, pretty good episode. Um, a lot of people download it. Uh, so I'm assuming some people liked it, uh, especially new flight students. But Let's get into all these uh, crazy different acronyms for flight simulators. So an FFS is a full uh, flight simulator, and those are typically used at airlines. So they have levels A through D. Level D is the most sophisticated, and they also have the FTDs, which go up to different levels. And I don't know all the different levels, to be honest, but I know that I've flown in a level four um, for my ATP CTP course. And then I flew in my FFS, which is the full flight simulator. And that one is full motion. It feels like you're in a real airplane. I mean, when you slam on the brakes, it like throws you forward. Um, when you press the thrust reversers, it makes you feel like you're putting thrust reversers on. It's really, really interesting. And like I said, those are sub subcategorized levels A through D and, uh, level D is what I used. I think I flew an A321 level D simulator is what I actually got to fly, which was totally a, an amazing experience. I wish we had the podcast then so I could have talked about it uh, when it was fresh on my mind. Um, if anybody listening to the podcast just went through a CTP course and you want to talk about that experience, uh, please reach out to us. We'd love to have you on. And another really cool thing about the FFS, um, you can actually get a type rating in it. Uh, <laughs> so you can actually earn a type rating without ever flying the actual aircraft. Just like I was telling you a second ago or a few minutes ago, uh, you the first time you fly a 737 is with passengers in it. You're flying this FFS before. So, um, but there's other, other flight training devices that are kind of more commonly used in flight training. Um, the BATD uh, and the AATD. And the simulator that Carson was talking about uh, is the AATD, which is the Redbird simulator. And with the Redbirds, and actually Redbird also makes a BATD along with a lot of other people, they make BATDs, uh, a basic um flight training device, essentially. But the ATD is a advanced one. And it's not that much more advanced, to be honest. <laughs> I've actually seen BATDs that are probably better than the ATDs. Um, but it's just the way they've been certified um, in their capabilities. Uh, so the FAA makes sure that, that certain simulators are certified and they've got different uh, hierarchy of certifications. And some of them get the basic certification. Some of them get the advanced certification. But regardless, if you want to use a flight simulator into training, you actually have to fly in an approved simulator. Now, if you go buy a Redbird SD for $75,000 or whatever they cost new now, you can't just start, you can't just jump in it and start learning to fly 
simulator in and logging it in your your book. That's not allowed. Um, some people think you can, but you cannot. You actually have to have a FAA letter of authorization or a LOA, um, and that has to be received from the FISDO. So they'll come out and they'll inspect it uh, for Part 61 uh, or Part 141 training, uh, regardless that needs a uh, LOA. And if it's for 141 training, it has to have a kind of master LOA uh, that's been given by the FAA uh, when they certified it. Um, so you need a couple things. You need uh, authorization from the FAA to, for it to be a simulator. And then you also need uh, authorization from the FAA to use it and make sure it's set up and being used properly and all the buttons and stuff work. So those are some different things that you need for the uh, to be able to use a flight simulator. Yeah, I think it's kind of crazy that the FAA doesn't just certify the device from Redbird. They certify your device. So after it's set up and built and wherever you're training, they come out and do that. Kind of. So they do both. They give a blanket certification on the entire like Redbird SD that they give for all the models as long as they're identical, right? And then they also give a specific certification from the FISDO. So just in case it wasn't very clear on that. So there are two certifications, one on the entire um, product and then one on your specific one, serial number specific. Yeah. Thanks, Brandon. Uh, you know, simulators can be a very effective tool to benefit your flight training experience. And we all know aviation can be very, very expensive uh, times, but simulators can typically cut the cost quite a bit. And I'm not saying that fly a simulator at home will give you all the knowledge you need to fly an airplane. But like Brandon said, I've seen people take demo flights after hundreds or thousands of hours on Microsoft Sim and fly it pretty well. So imagine what a real flight training in an FAA certified simulator can do for your training. Yeah, it's going to do a whole lot. So go do it. Um, practice at home. Uh, go practice in the flight simulator at your local school. And uh, if you're instrument rated, next time go do your currency in that. Uh, obviously, it's more fun to go outside and go play in the clouds. Uh, but if you can't go do that and you want to save some money and time, go into your local flight school and go to Ulysses or Sim. Uh, but thank you guys so much for listening today. If you'd like to reach out to either one of us, you can always reach us at Twitter, Instagram at Mr. Martini Guy or at Carson underscore AV17. Or, of course, where we prefer our emails, Brandon at AviationMentors.com or Carson at AviationMentors.com. And as a wrap up for the day, remember, we're here to guide you in your aviation journey. So fly safe and enjoy the ride.